Have you observed specific mindset shifts that are particularly transformative for individuals stepping into leadership positions? What do you believe a high-performing mindset looks like? And what is the key to sustaining this over a long period of time? If you were a young future leader who wants to make a successful footprint into 2024 and onwards, what would your plan be? It was a pleasure to chat with Sarah, who is the founder of Katandra Consulting and previously worked as a Chief Financial Officer and SAP Program Leader at Alcon, which is a pharmaceutical organization focused on eye care products. Our riveting discussion infused a mixture of important topics on developing a resilient mindset, daily activities we can do to clear our overloaded minds, the biggest obstacles faced by most leaders, the elements of a high-performing mindset anyone can equip themselves with, and the mindset strategies that can help anyone enter a flow of energy and perseverance every day. You're listening to the Brightness Unleashed podcast. Enjoy. Hey, Sarah, thank you so much for joining the Brightness Unleashed podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here tonight. Let's launch right into this discussion. So after 21 years at Alcon, a global pharmaceutical leader in eye care products, you decided to pivot your journey towards founding your own mindset coaching business called Katandra Consulting in 2021. Can you give us an insight into what it was like to move from that senior role at Alcon, where you worked as the chief financial officer, you led the Australian and New Zealand SAP implementation team, and then you decided to ignite your own world of helping others better shape their mindset. Can you give us a bit of a clear lens into how that all began? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, thank you for the nice welcome. And I'm really excited to be here today. So yeah, after 21 years, it was probably about five years uh, before I started exiting um, Alcon, where I really started having a bit of a, a thought process about what I want my next journey to look like. And so I was very much focused on what is it that I love the most in my day-to-day that truly fulfills me and inspires me. And so for me, that answer was when I mentor and coach others in the business and, you know, help and guide them to success, that's where I get my true fulfillment. And so I really wanted to figure out how I could do more of that. Um, and I had had a coach myself, um, when I was, when I first became CFO, um, and through that journey and I, it really resonated with me, the power of having that support and that third set of eyes and, you know, somebody that can help, um, come up with ideas and just ask you the right questions. And so I was like, wow, yeah, how can I do that? And it was quite interesting because, Um, I had very, uh, how shall I say, uh, very demanding roles, whether it was the CFO, whether it was in the project management roles. And I remember when I went, I went, I went to my coach and I said to her, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And it was interesting because at the time she said to me, hmm, yeah, you know, my advice would be don't do that yet. Like you're on a really good wicket, you know, it's very um, competitive and financially it's going to take a while to get off the ground. So, and I went, okay, all right, you're not stopping me. I'm still going to do it, but let's really plan out what this looks like. And so I started studying 
um, and getting my certification as a results coach, etc. So I started that journey while I was still at Alcon, but planned to to exit in the coming years. And and I took a couple of um, strategic opportunities to make some decisions in the company where I knew that um, it would potentially more lead me to leaving, <laughs> i.e. taking up the SAP rollout, knowing that after that um, that rollout and the hypercare afterwards, it was like, well, what do we do with Sarah after that, right? Because that's a finite project. So I made a few decisions like that. But, um, but yeah, it was very much an exciting time for me, the thought of being able to follow my true passion and figure out what that could look like. But also just stepping out of that, it was also very challenging um, because it came down to creating a new identity for myself. I'd I'd had this identity of I'm a CFO or I'm a project manager, I'm a leader. And so then to sort of step back and go, okay, sorry, now what am I? Um, it's quite quite a journey to go on. And so whilst I had the excitement, I also had the challenge of creating a new business, being an entrepreneur, needing to be self-driven, all of that fun stuff. So um, it certainly came with, with a lot of really interesting challenges and, and becoming very comfortable with discomfort, let's say, of putting myself out there. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love the, the the pivot from Alcon after 21 years and then you realize I want to found my own consulting, mainly spe- uh, specific towards mindset coaching. Uh, I, do you believe that there are a lot of transferable skills that you learned from your time there, such as resilience, determination, perseverance, all those soft traits that have now passed on to your role now at Katandra Consulting? Do you feel it's just that pool of soft skills that has helped you uh, within your role right now? Or do you feel there's something unique, like another skill or uh, something to do with just how you perceive the world, like some something to do with how you perceive the world or the skills you've taken from Alcon? Do you feel that that's kind of transferred into where you are today? A lot of them have been transferable. Um, as I say, there's so many different hats that you need to have as an entrepreneur. So Obviously, for me, being a CFO, chief financial officer and being a numbers person, that came naturally for me in starting a business. Um, But also in being in senior leadership positions, I did know quite a lot about sales and marketing of the company. But again, it was it was very different of doing that for yourself um, and and a startup company. So there was a lot of transferable skills, communication skills, leadership skills, presenting skills, whether it was in my project management or in um, being the CFO, uh, certainly getting up in front of people and being able to articulate the story the drive um, was something that I had experience in, Uh, but often it was tweaking it. Like I had a lot of experience getting up in front of large audiences, but not on Zoom, right? And so a lot of what I've been doing in helping educate people with mindset has also been doing Zoom webinars. So it's, there was transferable, but often I had to learn a few new skills to tweak it um, to where I am now. But definitely, 
a lot of it was. The resilience, I mean, climbing the corporate ladder, there's a lot of steps in that process. Um, and as you say, a lot of resilience um, because, yeah, working your way up can, can have those setbacks. They can have times where you want opportunities where you don't particularly get them. Um, but certainly my tenure of 21 years really does, I stuck at it, right? <laughs> where others might leave the company and go, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get ahead. I was like, I'm going to stay here. And I'm going to make this happen because I'm determined. So definitely there was resilience and a drive to succeed for me, which can take into any role anywhere, quite frankly. Yeah. yeah. I think I think that's amazing, Sarah. And I, I really commend the grit and the determination over 21 years. It is such a long time to just think about it. The whole career journey, ups and downs. It's very cyclical at times, like, you know, up, down, up, down. And the, the strength, the determination, Sarah, to kind of have that from start to end is very commendable. So g- given that we're on the topic of challenges, I wanted to understand now your interaction with all the C-suite uh, professionals, high-performing leaders that you've uh, interacted with in the past or even currently who are really hungry, ambitious to drive change for the better, whether it be for society, for their own company, they all have that hunger to just make change wherever possible. Um, could you give us a bit of a spill on maybe some of the biggest challenges you've come across from all of your clients um, who are trying to tackle maybe their mental well-being more specifically and trying to feel re-energized when they go through that obstacle or that hardship um, in a time when there's transformation happening or something really, really important that needs to be done, but the mental well-being is having an impact or they're just not in the right state of mind. What are some of those core challenges you've seen from current, uh, from clients today and also in the past? Yeah, um, and also my own experience, to be honest, is, um, mm. is a lot of it is striking that balance between, you know, your work-life balance, they say, and... Um, I like to think of it as work-life harmony because one can definitely impact the other. So it's not one or the other, but it really is having that, striking that balance of, of giving yourself to both. And we definitely have an issue in our culture today of this thought that, you know, people are just working, right? They're, they're working to live, you know, and it's, it's totally focused on that. So I think one of the big things is is taking the time to really set the stage early for yourself in regards to um, scheduling in that personal time or really setting those boundaries. Um, and what do I mean by that? A lot of the time it's just it can be as you're climbing the corporate ladder your time becomes more valuable and more people want it. And so all of a sudden your schedule gets completely full. And so with a lot of the leaders, they're overwhelmed by the amount of meetings they have versus productive time themselves um, or even personal time. So it's very much about encouraging planning early and even just scheduling a lunch break because sometimes if you don't do that let me tell you you don't get it um or making sure at the end of the day that if you have a work phone and a a personal phone that you can put that aside and really give your focus to your family 
because most leaders fall into that trap of having themselves available 24-7 and never switching off. And then they wonder why they're burnt out and they're unhappy. Um, it's because they haven't set those boundaries. They haven't said, no, you can't call me on the weekend. And so a lot of the time it is about setting some strategies and some boundaries around how can I set that early? Because once you set an expectation, a lot of the time people then hold you to that. Oh, that's all right. She works through the weekend. She responds to my text messages and emails like that, even on a Sunday, right? And then they just expect you to do it. So really set it up for success for yourself to have that personal time and to not respond um, in that immediate way that everybody seems to think that you're going to get back to them right now because this is do or die. So, so doing that is, is really critical. I even made um, some strategies on those times where I did see a need to work on the weekend. If I was doing an email to someone, I'd put it in draft and schedule it to go off at 9am on Monday morning just so they didn't realise I was working through the weekend and they could tell, right? <laughs> because a lot of people wear this overtime and this working as a real badge of honour but it's not, in fact, it's really not good for your mental health. So I'm definitely one from that perspective that people need to lead by example and especially our C-suite and senior leaders, they really need to be able to say, no, I'm prioritising myself in the evening or on the weekend so that their subordinates, their team, their employees, their talent follows suit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a very difficult one to kind of overcome with time. So as you mentioned that mm. a lot of the C-suite professionals or leaders or people who aspire to be those leaders, there's a lot on the plate. And there's so many different mm. things happening, not just in the professional life, but also personal life. And striking that healthy balance can be very, very difficult to achieve. Um, and I was just wondering, like, we always talk about exercise, meditation, calendar blocking, planning, all these things are something we always learn, whether it be in university, like in the first lecture, before you get overwhelmed with all the exams and assessments, this is what you should do, prioritize your health. And then also in the workforce where things can just be it feels like a lot of the things are inundated with so many different pieces of work, different meetings, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. um, and just trying to prepare for the meeting after meeting because every meeting might be different with different types of objectives. Um, do you have any strategies, whether it be from your own experience, Sarah, or the people you've talked to about how to just stay calm within the moment? So we always talk about being present, focus here right now not to just think too much into the future don't think about what happened in the past just focus where you are because right now is a very important time do you have any particular tips or strategies that can help students or young future leaders just be in the moment stay focused and most importantly not overburn like their mental health yeah yeah i think you touched on a big one there in regards to the gratitude practice for me that's critical and for all of my clients i talk about ensuring that they have a daily gratitude habit and it doesn't have to be anything big but the way that you start the day is so important if you wake up already stressed for the day ahead it's not going to get any better. But if you can wake up and have gratitude as one of those first things and have that as a daily habit, then it just, it sets the rest of the day up. 
Um, and the intention setting is, is around that as well. So I often talk to my clients um, about there's this really great way of explaining it in regards to finish your day first before you start it. So what we mean by that is to be thinking about how you want your day to go and even visualizing what you have planned for the day succeeding. And so that, again, you're, you're sitting, setting that intention. Oh, I'm going to have, that's going to be a great meeting. No matter what happens, you know, I'm going to X, Y, and Z. But visualization is a, a powerful tool as well. So if you start the day with gratitude and then saying, this is going to be great. These are the things that I'm going to tick off my list and you have a bit of a plan and you you visualize it, the setting up for success looks very different to waking up and going, oh, I'm going to press snooze, right? <laughs> Hang on, I'm just going to press snooze again. Oh, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to face the day. It's a very different energy that you bring to the day. Um, so that's that's the first piece there, definitely. Ooh. But it is having that that mindset of, of self-care as well. Mm. In re- and what do I mean by that? I mean, a lot of people think that prioritizing yourself is selfish or, you know, there's so many stories and beliefs behind it. But I'm one of the big, um, what's the word, uh, you know, I'm backing very much the mindset of self-care in regards to thinking of it like you're on an aeroplane. And unless you pull down that oxygen mask and suck that oxygen in first, you're no help to anybody else. And so often we're running around trying to help everyone else, trying to do everything else without looking after us first. And then we're not in the best state and we can't serve people or we can't get the best results because we haven't put ourselves first and looked after ourselves first. So it really is having that understanding as well of I really need to prioritise my health, the gratitude, whether it's meditation, mindfulness practices. And as I say, they don't have to be really long ones. I mean, people think that things have to be intense and take, you know, I've got to do 20 minutes of meditation. No, do two. That's enough. That's still a habit. That's still good. So it it definitely is about how can I fit it in but not go overboard on the intensity that it becomes too hard and I drop that practice. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just sometimes just a lot of distractions, a lot of things that happen throughout the day. And people just are so consumed by those distractions. We just don't want to dedicate enough time to journaling, reflecting, even meditation. Just Mm -hmm. two minutes. Some people are like, no, sorry, I don't have the time for those things. So it's it's very hard to kind of influence people to be like, no, there's certain reasons why you should be doing it or calendar block five minutes just to sit down, close your eyes and just think of like a flower or water dripping, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's so, so important to just emphasize to others. Um, do you believe like in the power of actually like journaling, writing things down, like affirmation statements being very um, like you write like these high modality words saying, I can, I will become this person. And you just keep that written down somewhere. Do you believe in that working and inspiring self-belief or do you have an alternative to that to just feel confident and feel the best you can be? 
Yeah, I do believe in empowering statements, but they've got to be the right empowering statements. So I find that even a lot of my clients that come to me and they're like, oh, I've been writing these empowering statements and I've watched this podcast and I've done this webinar and, you know, read this book and it's just not working. The thing is, is for these empowering statements to work, part of it is around changing the meaning around a self-belief or just a general limiting belief or a story that you're telling yourself. And so if it's not targeted, it's just a complete waste of time. And so it really is understanding what do I feel that limiting belief is or that story that I'm telling myself or that emotion that is trapped that's just keeping, like I just feel anxious every day. And just figuring out what are those things that are most holding me back and then having an empowering belief and a practice around shifting that. But often people don't recognize that piece first. And so unfortunately their efforts are leading nowhere. Um, And so it's really key to understanding what is it that you need to be looking at and shifting. Yeah. Is is there a way for people like let's say beginners or students who are just wanting to understand this more further in terms of that part to discovery and learning that shift. Is there a, a few steps you can share with us, Sarah, to just begin that discovery journey and just making sure things can be aligned well and ultimately feel that sense of goodness? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the time for me, it is about a, a process and a pathway. And that's what I talk a lot about in my webinar in regards to setting up a future vision, creating a goal and starting to take the action. And then when that internal resistance comes up and you recognize it, then you can work through um, reframing those beliefs, creating the empowering statements, etc. So a lot of the time until you're walking the path, it's hard to really pinpoint it. Um, But there's definitely, you know, those strategies around if I'm feeling a certain way or I don't think I can do this is just asking yourself the questions and get getting super curious. Why? Why can't I move forward? What is it that I believe that's stopping me from taking that next step? Because there is some sort of belief there. And then going through that process and going, is that really true? And how is that going to impact me if I continue to hold on to that belief versus flipping it out? Because the majority of our beliefs are simply ones that we've adopted from our parents. They're ones that we may have created from events that we've experienced ourselves or adopted from society, right? Social media, you should do this, you should do that. But it's all just stories, and so it's about reframing or relooking. Do I really believe that? And so, yeah, number one is just getting super curious. What is that story that I'm playing in my head and why am I doing it? And can I change that? And that's the really powerful piece to it. And number one to anything, self-awareness first. You've got to be aware that that, that story is playing and playing and playing over and over again um so yeah it all starts with awareness and getting super super curious as to what's happening and and what's going on in here Mm. yeah no 100% agree with you Sarah 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you've just evoked a lot to do with curiosity, self-awareness, two very highly valuable traits that every individual on the planet should foster in their lives. And I think there's a lot of a lot of curiosity that tends to happen where we might question a lot of things happening in society, happening within the workforce, etc. But also this idea of self-awareness, a lot a lot of it seems to be in the shadow and something that we're really trying to unlock. But unfortunately, we just haven't been educated enough to really understand that level of self-awareness, really thinking intricately about the why, why, why. And I really love how you kind of mentioned that idea of just figuring out the, 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 the reason why you're thinking like that. A lot of people don't want to dive down that path because of fear, anxiety. But I think it's really important to knock that out of the park because if you get rid of that, um, that I, that thought or that idea that's kind of putting that mental well-being on me- mental uh, burning on top of your mind, it intrudes. It cut, it's very intrusive with how you think in terms of clarity, brainstorming new ideas, speaking to other people. Those thoughts that are overwhelming your mind, you don't. You're just neglecting it, and it's just be building a deeper and deeper hole. So I think it's really important to remember self awareness. And thank you so much, Sarah, for highlighting that. I think that's really lovely. And very very important. So, I'm gonna now yeah, pass and, it and over. The other thing, yeah, the, the other piece that it, I Sarah. just wanted to put to it as well is there's there's the self awareness, but there's also then when you do discover what those stories are, is just understanding. So much of it is just the human condition, adopting those stories, the survival mode in our brain you know, looking for all the obstacles, looking for all the bad stuff and focusing on all the negativity. That is the way that we're programmed. But most people don't really grasp that concept. And so when they start having this awareness around, wow, I've got so many negative thoughts going in here, I've got so many stories that just, oh. It's also about understanding that's how we're programmed and that's okay. It's just about starting to shift it. And, you know, one of the big things that I share with all of my clients and everyone I speak to is really around that part of when you do start getting the awareness and when you do start seeing things that you can't unsee, let's say, in the shadows, as you sort of say, it's also about making sure that you start being your own best friend because we are harder on ourselves than anyone else. For some reason, we think we should know it all. We think that we should be perfect. We think that we should never stumble and that we once we set a habit, it should be ingrained forever. But that's not the reality. And often we are so hard on ourselves and that's what is stopping us from moving forward. We are the ones holding us back. And so I always say, just try and be your own best friend and think about those inter- that internal dialogue that you're having with yourself when something doesn't quite work out, would you really speak that way to your best friend? Because if you wouldn't, then stop doing it to yourself. So it's two parts. It's getting that awareness, getting super curious, finding out the why, but being forgiving, kind and loving to yourself and just regrouping and, and keep moving and see what can I change. But often we're not very kind to ourselves. Mm. Kindness is just seems to be disappearing into the distance and it's something that we just can't get a hold of uh, or we just don't, we're not aware of that trait. 
to just be kind to ourselves or just think twice before our next action or before we speak uh, because that can be quite damaging whether it be internally or can be revealed externally when people talk to us so i think it's very very clear that self-awareness curiosity very very important traits to foster and i'm so glad that you and, mentioned and if that you bring it back episode. to yeah. hmm. sorry if you bring it back to that empowering statement and people that go oh but i've been yeah. saying that i am worthy and i am powerful yeah. and i am capable and da, 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 da. and i'm saying that every day but when they something doesn't work out the right way and their internal dialogue's going oh you're an idiot well you mm. just failed again or like it's conflicting right <laughs> so absolutely it's, it's no help absolutely so it's the awareness around that internal dialogue is coupling with it as well yeah absolutely and the thoughts lead to those actions being you know leading to more consequences for yourself and i think that is so so crucial to remember and also just to remind ourselves that thoughts can become actions at the end of the day if we continue to let those intrusive thoughts come through thinking negatively perceiving everything in the world negatively i think the choice of our words and i remember our call the other other time the choice of words we discussed this a bit over the phone it's such an important thing to remember and just planning it a bit thinking about it a bit longer before saying it out loud can be a game changer. So kindness, curiosity, mm -hmm. self-awareness, so, so important. I do hope our students do take that away. So I think we've talked so much about this so far and we haven't even reached halfway. I think the episode has been so insightful so <laughs> far, Sarah. It's been amazing, amazing to unpack and just understand the intricate mind and how the human condition works. So this is something that Aaron and I love to talk about and we're really, really passionate to see how we can develop each of us to the pinnacle. So I'm going to pass it over to my co-host, Naren. Uh, you can take it away. Go for it. Yeah, I think uh, everything that has been mentioned so far, especially what was recently mentioned about how fickle our minds are and how uh, I guess um, I guess I, I see my mind can sometimes be very manipulative and I really resonate with what Sarah was saying, um, which is when you're pursuing something like, uh, for example, even with something that I'm doing and I think a lot of youngsters are doing now is, you know, taking care of them, their physical health, right? And in that journey, there's a lot of uh, comparative thought that, that that one takes especially because you know social media perpetuates this idea that and these standards and benchmarks that are ridiculous but for some reason our conscious mind takes that as okay this is the gold standard and this is what we have to achieve and so i sometimes get those intrusive thoughts and that 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 best friend um i guess motive isn't there um sometimes i always i guess it's called self-sabotage and i just really so I think things in my head that are like, oh, you're not good enough, or you're not doing, you're not training hard enough, or you're not, you're not putting your 100% effort, even though, you know, I'm doing the best that I can. Um, so I really resonated with that, Sarah, and I think it's a great point that you brought up. Um, and, and I guess continuing on the lines of, you know, your role as a mindset coach um, and the business that you have, I think uh, something that I, I, that I want to kind of understand is, have you observed any sort of specific shifts in the mindset that are particularly transformative for individuals stepping into leadership positions? And if so, how can aspiring leaders cultivate those mindsets today? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, can I just make one comment on, on something that you said there? Um, yeah. Because I can't help myself. Um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you're talking about the, 
You're talking about the comparison and social media and, and all of that. At the end of the day, there's always going to be someone smarter than you, thinner than you, richer than you. So comparison is the death of joy. And mm. so we've got to be really careful. There are times when comparison can be positive if you want to um, achieve what somebody has achieved and you're going down their path. But often if we're not putting the same energy and effort in, we're never going to get there. And I think a, a really cool key I'd just love to share with you, and you guys have probably heard this before, but what do you need to be comparing to? You need to compare to you yesterday. Is there progress there? Have you done a bit more in the gym? Have you made that progress? Because if there is, that's winning, right? Mm. But if you compare yourself to everyone else, you're always going to be miserable because you can always try and, you know, aspire to be closer to somebody else. So try and just compare yourself to you yesterday and you'll be, you know, moving forward faster because it's not about perfection. It's about progress anyway, right? I mean, that's definitely for me one of the mindset switches that has helped me, that it isn't about everybody else. It's not about keeping up with the Joneses. Um, mm. And same in the workplace. You're on your own unique journey. And so I also believe that that's a mindset shift that our leaders need to have. So there's a couple of things when moving along the journey that I do think are critical because when you're first getting into the corporate world, when you're first get it, finding your feed, so much of it is about your individual efforts and it's about being the doer. But when you start moving up in an organisation, it moves from being a doer to a delegator and trusting and delegating and finding the strength of your team. And that's how a lot of new managers don't become leaders, so to speak, because they don't understand that shift of, no, I'm not meant to be doing right now. No, I'm not meant to be getting everything perfect. I need to embrace the learning of the opportunity and occasionally allow my team members to not get it right so that they do learn and they do fail. But that is really hard to get into that headspace, especially if on your journey, you've been extremely successful because of your efforts. And so having that mindset shift is key because a lot of people get into it, but they don't want any member of their team to fail because that's a reflection on me as a failure. And so I'm not gonna trust them fully with it. You know, I'm not gonna let them do and make mistakes and, and, and experience that. And that's a really big change to make as you're moving through that process. So definitely, moving from individual to team, from doer to delegator to leader and having that trust in people is, is super key. But again, as I said before, it's about walking the walk as well. So having self-care, but also remembering that all eyes are on you. So if you're not taking the time for self-care, how are your team or your peers or your colleagues gonna believe it because you're not practicing it yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think those those two points. Yeah, no, those two points were great. I, I really like that first one, which is um, moving from that individualistic mindset to being a team player. And I think this is where university does a really good job with society work as well, which is where students get that opportunity to take on the leadership roles. Um, and Harry and I have had the privilege to do that over the you know last two three years. So I think that's that's why we stressed, and we've done this in previous episodes. We stress the the need for students to try and get as involved as mu- as much as possible in their university societies because that is a great uh, stepping stone to what you talked about Sarah which is getting that exposure to uh, learning about how to work within a team and understanding um, the different perspectives that people bring to the table and understanding the pros and cons of their contributions um, and I think that second shift is very very important with the idea of self care. Because as you said, you will be the center of attention and everyone is, you know, uh, communicating and, uh, you know, meeting up with, with you and, and, and um, you're the one delegating the task. So at the end of the day, the spotlight is on you 24-7. Well, not 24-7, but you get the point. Um, and so that that is super important to prioritize that self-care in those various different aspects, whether that be mentally, physically, uh, emotionally, and just understanding that. Uh, all those things need to have balance because if 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 you the leader of course is not um, prepared for that um, for that role in terms of being uh, alert and having the self care you need that will very much serve as a domino effect on the rest of the organization I would assume everyone else would start to uh, follow suit right and you would you would have an organization that would be very much um, reflective of poor self care. And so you, you don't want that. And yeah. that's, that's something that's super important. Yeah. And when you were talking about the, the working in teams and, um, you know, the opportunities that you guys have had, which is fantastic. I mean, I, I definitely think that the more that you can do that, the better and, and having those opportunities to be a leader. But one other thing just popped into my head that I wanted to mention, and that is around active listening. Um, to be a true leader, it takes having that active listening and not coming up with the solutions yourself. And I think it might have been even Simon Sinek or somebody that talks a lot about the fact that when you're a leader, you want to be the last to talk in the room. You want to give your team the opportunity to solve issues, to come up with solutions before you say anything. So again, the active listening and, you know, closing <laughs> the mouth um, and allowing them to participate is, is also a really big one there as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that one. Being an active listener, 100%, just kind of absorbing the information, being the last to talk. And it, it makes sense logically as well. Like if you listen to everyone's perspectives, by the end of it, you would have a very informative judgment on you know what 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 is being discussed at the table and so your your contribution will be very much more enhanced i would assume so i've i've tried to implement that even in just you know among friends and family and stuff like that when you have simple conversations just letting everyone else speak and just sitting sitting back and just absorbing what's being said and then you know saying what needs to be said and adding my you know contribution to the table so i, I really like that last point um, but I want to move on to the next question, which actually focuses on specifically university students as well. And so with uni students, they go through a cycle of many things from preparing for exams, 
you know, trying to get started on something that may be difficult. So a lot of teenagers, a lot of people like myself, they love starting now side projects, you know, side hustles. Um, learning something completely new for the first time or applying to their very first internship with a fleet of others who are all eager and very competitive to secure this dream role. So are there any strategies individuals can use to optimize their mindset today to foster feelings of, you know, things like perseverance, the ability to stay laser focused um, and the motivation to remain disciplined while trying to maximize their efforts in those particular areas? Yeah, I think... At the end of the day, and it, it sounds very fluffy, but it is about the journey, not the destination, and remembering that. That said, though, it is making sure that you do have a focus because focus is critical to getting what you want. Um, and often people are focused on what they don't want or all the bad stuff, the things that aren't working out for them, rather than focusing, well, what do I want life to look like? Um, and so the, uh, you know, the power of vision, the power of goals and having that focus really helps with that perseverance because you know what you're working towards. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to know exactly what it is. And I often, I often liken it to you know, getting in the car and turning on the GPS. If you don't put a destination in there, you're likely to just be driving around in circles. And so you might visit some nice destinations along the way, but it's not going to be where you truly want to be. But if you can put something into that GPS, then at least it knows which direction to move in and potentially how far away from it you are. But often without planting that seed of this is the direction that I want to head in, people find it really difficult to persevere and move forward, especially when they come up with challenges. So the big thing for me is all about well, what do you want and getting some clarity around that so that you can move forward is, is always step number one. Um, and then, of course, when things don't work out exactly how you expected, be flexible um, because, uh, you know, a no often just means next opportunity. It, I truly believe that um, things happen for a reason. And so if you don't get a particular job, there's a, there's a really good reason for that. It probably wasn't what was meant for you. So make sure that you don't get too disheartened about it. Um, but also that growth mindset is critical to have the growth mindset of it's about the journey, not the destination. You know, there's no failure. It's just feedback. All it is, is feedback of a way that it didn't work out. So let's try something a bit different. And, you know, if you lead your life that way, then it, it doesn't have that same drag on you. Um, but yeah, the growth mindset, if if you guys, you know, definitely have heard probably of Carol Dweck, right, the fixed versus the growth mindset, um, the growth mindset is critical to having that understanding that you can always grow, you can always learn, you can have new skills, you can practice, and that's going to get you moving forward rather than having that fixed mindset of I'm just not good at this. I'm just not good at studying or I'm just not good at sports or it's like, 
maybe if you just practice a bit more, try something a little bit different, you know, you might get a different outcome. But again, it comes back to those beliefs. So, so having that growth mindset, having that focus, but the flexibility is key. And then the other thing that I, I always like to think about is around that fulfillment and that joy piece as well. Because if you are just totally focused on, oh, I'm going to become an engineer or, you know, I'm going to do all this. Again, we're talking about that self-care and having other things in your life um, that bring you joy and linking. We link that in um, the programs that I do. We link your values, what you value most, what lights you up to, you know, your goals, your vision, etc. But also thinking about if you're really interested in something, but you can't see how it links to being successful in a certain area or, um, you know, how it's going to come out in the end. Sometimes you just need to trust your gut instinct and roll with that and give it a go. And often people, you don't, you just don't trust your gut and you go, no, I've been told I should do this. I should do that. I shouldn't do that because what has that got to do with anything? But you may be missing out on something that is uh, transferable, right? We are talking about that earlier, uh, to another area later on. And the perfect example was with um, Steve Jobs. You know, he was terrible at university. He didn't, you know, college. And he, he wanted to drop out and he did for a while, but he actually kept doing calligraphy just because he loved calligraphy and he found it really creative and interesting and everyone's like you're nuts and like he literally would sneak into the calligraphy class and but the thing is is he only joined the dots later about that importance of it when they were looking at fonts and this made such a huge different difference in the marketplace when they were launching their product when they were launching those computers and so it wasn't until years and years later that he went wow like that chat was a game changer for us. And so I just, I like to sort of say, if there's something that you love doing on your downtime or anything else, just make sure you keep making time for it because life's too short, but there may be opportunities in the future to use it in some way that you can't even fathom yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that. Um, that last point that is that is so that is so true I, I i think i read about that story about steve jobs as well and something similar with paypal as well when they were coming up with their brand the amount of they would they went and talked with someone i forgot who but um they also went and talked with someone and they discussed this idea of what paypal should look like as a brand um and it was then when i think elon musk and peter thiel and all those guys sat down and they were like wow this whatever was produced in front of them they were like wow this is really uh, this is very much an embodiment of what paypal is so uh, i really like how um you've you've talked about this idea of pursuing your interests can lead to like these hidden opportunities out there you know um and uh, uh, steve jobs is a great example of that and i just want to kind of talk about the first point on focusing on the journey and not the destination and with primarily looking at goal setting, because I feel like um, a lot of people understand the concept of focusing on the journey and not the final destination. Um, but I think what a lot of people struggle with is identifying how to set 
a goal, you know, and I think there's the star, sorry, not the star framework, the, oh, no, yeah, the star framework that Smart. you can use to, yeah, you can use that to framework your goals um, or the smart goals. Yeah, smart framework, um, which I've used previously. But is there any other sort of um, applications, you know, that, that you can apply to uh, goal setting for students in, in particular? Yeah, yeah, I definitely can. Um, so typically in the corporate world, they use smart goals, right? The, mm. um, but I find that there's not enough focus on the why. And so when I talk about um, not needing as much motivation to be able to persevere and to move forward, you need to really incorporate my why. Why is this important to me? Why do I value this goal? Because a lot of the time people will just set a goal and they don't have that why piece covered off. You know, your brain goes, oh, okay, you know, it's great to have $100,000 in the bank or it's great to uh, lose 10 kilos. But to your brain, those numbers don't have true meaning. But once you attach that meaning to, oh, when I lose that that weight, I'll have more energy to spend more time with my kids, to be more healthy, to da 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 right? So I have um, a goal-setting structure that I call it a starter goal, um, and it definitely brings in that why piece. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I can, I can share it with your listeners if they're interested as well. Um, but it really is back to, it was interesting, we were talking earlier about the, um, you know, Harry brought in the, it's all about the language often. And so your language creates your reality. So when we talk about focus, I like to talk about focus before I talk about setting goals as well, because often people don't know how to set an effective goal because they are focused on what they don't want, not what they do want. And so it's sending a very different message to our brain. And it's all about having affirmative language, etc. And so I'll just give you a really quick example, if I could, of um, demonstrating it. So if I just ask you to don't think of an elephant, right? Don't think of an elephant. Tell me, what are you thinking about? An, an elephant, elephant, right? Yeah. Because your brain doesn't understand not to think about it. It, it doesn't, it, it hears and it understands the negation, but all it wants to do is focus on what you're giving it. And so all your brain can think of is an elephant. Now, the problem with most people is they're focused on what they don't want and they're reinforcing it up here. So like if you're um, overweight and all you can think of is, you know, how overweight you are, then your future condition is one of being overweight. If you focus on that you hate your job or you hate studying, then your future condition is one of being stuck studying or hating it, right? And so the trick is, is that we really need to use um, empowering language to say what we do want, not what we don't want. But most people are focused on what they don't want. And it's even like the little piece of the example of setting a goal, let's say with weight, with somebody saying, you know, I'm going to lose 10 kilos. Well, what are you focused on there? You're focused on 10 kilos. And guess what? You said you're going to lose it, but your brain's going, yeah, I could probably find that again rather than saying, my goal is to be happy 
and full of energy and weighing 70 kilos. So now I'm focused on what I do want, on the weight that I want to be, on the feelings that I get, etc. But most people are focusing on what they don't want. Same with, oh, okay, I'm going to set this goal and to get there, I'm going to stop drinking alcohol and, and you know, not have any sweets and, and it's like, okay. So if you've got that goal staring you in the face every day and it's going, you know, wine, wine, chocolate, chocolate or whatever it is, mm. what do you think your brain's doing then, right? It's going, oh, I want more wine and chocolate. It makes it even harder. So we make it really hard for ourselves. So there's some definite tricks when you're setting a goal on making sure it's truly what you want, not what you don't want, and making sure that that language is such that it's going to get you there. Um, and then the other, the other big key, other than the why, um, with this starter goal is setting your first three actions, and that's why I called a starter goal. So again, a lot of people create this laundry list of things to achieve this goal and then it becomes all too overwhelming and they do nothing. So it's about keeping it simple, very small, targeted actions to start with and then you increase the intensity or then you add some more stuff in. But often it's about we don't have the why in there, we're focusing what we don't want and we're making it all too hard to even make a start on it. And so there's some really, really basic things that we need to learn to be able to shift it in here to say, yeah, now my brain's getting it, but that's what I truly do want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that is, that is so true. And uh, the, the purpose and the why is so important because I think Viktor Frankl in his book, uh, he, he says like uh, a man who knows his why can bear almost any how. Right, so knowing that why, and I, mm-hmm. I think I love how you painted that picture of choosing the, the, the word choice and how important it is to uh, choose words that are energizing and that are affirmative and that really help um, solidify that goal and make it uh, as precise as possible. Because uh, as you said, just saying simple things like in, in the context of weight loss, saying things like, you know, I'm going to stop drinking alcohol, I'm going to. Consume less sugar. Uh, it just makes your brain, as you just said, want more and more of those things. So, word choice, I think, is is a really good one that you brought up, and that's something that I will even consider myself because I, I didn't know much about word choice being such of such of such importance to goal setting because I've only very much been introduced to the idea of setting those uh, smart goals, as you mentioned. Um, and I really like the uh, yeah. second point that you brought, which is keeping things very simple. Um, I think in a, in a book by James Clear, Atomic Habits, uh, you know, one of the best-selling books in, at the moment, he talks about building habits, um, but the framework is very similar to what you talked about, Sarah, which is starting off very small. Um, and I, I remember in the book he talks about in the context of exercise, something super simple is just the night before, you know, putting out your uh, working out clothes on, you know, on your bed or, or wherever. Um, and taking that small step and then the next step would be working out for five minutes and then that's it and doing that for a week and then you kind of increase the intensity from there so I really love that point um, those points that you brought up because they very much resonate with me and what I've kind of uh, learned throughout the years Um, and I I have one more question or do you want to add anything sir yeah 
Well, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I love James Clear. I think he's fantastic. He's got some great hacks for habits and it is about starting starting slow. The one other thing that I just wanted to bring up too that a lot of people mm-hmm. don't think of is what is the actual objective or the purpose of a goal? So let me ask you guys this if I could be cheeky enough. What do you think is the purpose or the objective of setting a goal? Purpose or objective of setting a goal? To it, I would say to achieve a specific desire or want. Yeah, put it simply. It's that it definitely is, but it's so much more than that. So what it is is it is learning what is that identity that you need to be. Who do you need to be to get to that goal? So it's the two things together. And in the starter goal, uh, it's definitely about, you know, I am fit and healthy and weigh, you know happy with weighing 70 kilos, let's say. But so it's also about the identity. What is the identity that's going to get you there? Because um, let's take, and again, the weight thing is just the easiest example that mm. everyone, I think, can um, understand. So let's take the bride, so to speak, who loses a ton of weight, right, to get married. And then afterwards, she puts it all back on and she thinks, why? Why? Well, that's because she stopped those habits that got her there, the behaviours, the actions and those habits. So it's not just about executing those actions, but it's living with that, you know, who am I to get there? Well, I'm a fit and healthy person. And if you can create that identity and really live by that identity, then you're truly going to be successful. And so it also comes a little bit down to if you do have some challenges with it, again, add back in some flexibility so that it's it's not do or die. Oh, I didn't go to the gym today or I didn't do this. I'm, you know, a failure. I'm just going to give up on this goal. It's about, well, what else could you put in there? There might be something that's easier for you that you enjoy more. Try that. But again, it's how many ways can I be fitter and healthier? And and even asking yourself the question of, you know, if I'm going to uh, grab a packet of Tim Tams out of the cupboard, would a fit and healthy person eat these Tim Tams? Maybe they'd eat one Tim Tam, you know, everything in moderation. Would a fit and healthy person eat a whole packet of Tim Tams? No. So I'm a fit and healthy person, so I'm not going to eat the whole pack of Tim Tams. So if you're also creating that identity, you're going to be able to keep that going afterwards because the purpose isn't just ticking that box and getting there because if you stop doing those behaviours and those actions, you're going to go straight back. And then people go, why am I yo-yoing? No matter what it is, whether it's weight, whether it's saving money, whether, you know, whether it's focused on your study, it's about establishing those habits and keeping them going. But but what is that identity that you truly desire that's going to get you there is the key. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, it's like, yeah, definitely. And this is something that I've been exposed to a lot through social media, ironically. But uh, it's the idea of trying to find your archetype. So for those who don't know, an archetype means a very typical example of a certain person or thing. Um, and I've seen this popping up on social media, which is to try and find someone, as you said, that you want to try and emulate, especially the habits and the routines and the behaviors and trying to follow those. 
in order to in order to achieve uh, something similar of, of greatness i guess and uh, with with that though because we've talked about this before and you know it's social media i feel like everyone now we've talked about the concept of comparison right but the thing with following habits and behaviors and finding an archetype so say is is that i feel as though it 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 i guess i don't know if naturally is the word but for some reason it naturally just promotes comparison automatically like people when you're pursuing you know an archetype trying to find someone you know to follow in terms of habits and behaviors and stuff i feel as though in that process you start over comparing and you start doing things to an extreme um to the very extreme and i think a, a good example is i don't know if sarah if you're familiar with the name david goggins no i'm not no but he's someone that has very much promote the idea of very a, a very extreme measure of physical fitness um and i feel okay. when people are trying to follow that archetype for physical fitness they are taking it to an extreme level where they're just uh, their whole life basically their whole personality becomes um that that particular uh person and so i just wanted to ask do you think there are drawbacks with you know trying to find an archetype or person to follow in terms of habits and if if there is like how do, how do you get, kind of get around that you know not becoming so obsessed about doing everything so meticulously and to the point Yeah, I mean, first first suggestion would be don't try and find somebody to copy. Mm. You you say I want the identity of being a fit and healthy person. What do I think a fit and healthy person does? What I, do I think are the attributes of a fit and healthy person? Yeah, I can have a bit of a bit of a look out there, but it's about creating that understanding around what you think is fit and healthy and then finding the best ways forward with that rather than just trying to copy what someone else is doing and then mm. yes comparing yourself to them because they're probably going to be doing more than you right <laughs> if that's yeah. all they do is the fitness thing <laughs> that's <Yeah>. their thing <laughs> so they're just focused on that whereas you're focused on study and what do I want to do mm. for a career and da, 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 and health is only my small part you know of yeah. the big picture of the seven sectors of life for me to be successful Um mm. so definitely try not well I don't encourage my clients to strictly try and be like someone because we mm. are all truly individual and it is more around you can take a few of the key attributes that you think they have or a couple of the behaviors or actions that you think might work for you and try and incorporate them but we're all very unique on what we value what we enjoy what motivates us those stories in our heads um so yeah i just say be very careful and mindful about focusing on any one human let's <laughs> say yeah. um and their outcomes because they're showing a space to the world but it 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 may not necessarily be their true their true self yeah Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is this is the problem with social media, Sarah. That this generation is that just everyone is too uh you know, they have the comparative brain. They're always even in the pursuit of trying to follow habits and behaviors and things like that. Somehow and not not only following the habits, it's also it's also about how much you're consuming out there. How much social yeah. media you're consuming. How much information I mean there's so much knowledge out there. 
that what mm. people fall into the trap is they're looking at all this information and there's so many conflicting views and then all of a sudden you don't know who to follow or what to do and yeah. guess what? You do nothing. And mm. so, you know, I always say to my clients, stop consuming and start creating. Just start taking some small actions that you know are going to start shifting you in the direction because how we live our day is how we live our life. So what are the habits that you have today that you can tweak and do and be focused on that, not, you know, oh, what's, you know, all the thousand different mindsets that I can have and all these pow <laughs> powerful people that I want to emanate that make five and a half million dollars from scratch, you know, the grant, whatever his names are. <laughs> You just get sucked yeah. into these holes and all yeah. you're doing is is consuming but not actually creating and and true change comes from action and so knowledge is power but it's only potential power it only becomes powerful once you start using it and trying it so that's just my word of caution because we can run down so many of those rabbit holes and go, oh, it's been mm. three hours. I've just been surfing <laughs> God knows what, whether it's oh. YouTube or TikTok. But what have I really changed in my life? Big fat zero. zero. So just be careful. <laughs> oh, Terry, wow. You... Sorry, yeah, I told no, you, you I get passionate. I do. No, yeah, Stop consuming and right. start creating. You are the creator yeah. of your life. Yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. This is why I I, I, I I even deleted some of my social media because it's just too much. Enough of consuming, start applying, as you said, Sarah. It's so important to apply yeah. because that's the only way you learn, you take the feedback, you iterate, do it again. So uh, I really, really uh, agree with that last point there. But I'll quickly move on to my final question before I throw it to Harry. Um, and it, it, it's about high performers. Um, and they usually have this quality of being very switched on. Um, being very proactive, you know, getting things done um, in a productive manner. So from the array of humans you've interacted with, what do you believe a high-performing mindset looks like and what is the key to sustaining this over a long period of time? And I just want to mention uh, a previous guest we had goes by the name of Veronica Mason. She is also a, a mindset coach um, and uh, a high-performance coach, I, just, I should say. And she answered a very similar question to this and her response um, one of the things that she talked about was the idea of these high performers subconsciously knowing that challenges and roadblocks and you know bottlenecks are part of the journey and with that subconscious thought knowing that they have to still advance knowing that they have to still make progress and that you know that's not stopping them so I'm just I'm just introducing that to give you a bit of context but if you have anything else that's different to that please uh, go ahead yeah, I mean, I totally agree with her. And that's all around that growth mindset and um, and knowing that those challenges and obstacles are going to happen. And, and you learn just as much from the things that don't work out as that you do for the things that do work out. Even, even in the sense that I always say to people when they, like, complain about their manager, oh, this terrible manager, or I say, well, guess what? You're actually learning just as much from them as you would a good leader. It's just that you're learning what not to do. So really, it is embracing that everything is a learning opportunity. Everything is a growth opportunity. Um, but also, I think 
the being switched on also comes from that focus, that planning. Mm. How do they plan their day? You know, what does their calendars look like? What are they scheduling? Um, are they, they're definitely not the ones that do the easy stuff first. They're not the ones that leave the hard stuff to the end of the day and then they're too tired to tackle it. Um, so it, it's very much about that focus, about the planning, about knowing that, yes, the journey is going to be full of hiccups, but it's how you act and react to them that matters. And that's what mm. be truly successful people understand. Um, and certainly that there's only one person that you can truly control, and that is you and truly change, and that is you. And so, yeah, just just take those lessons and roll with them and embrace failure. You know, who was it? Mm. Michael Jordan, you know, he failed shooting whatever, 9,000 hoops, um, you know, but he was still a winner. It's like you can't expect to win all the time. But it is, I, I said it earlier, it's a like when I left uh, the corporate world, it is that skill of being comfortable with discomfort um, mm. and putting yourself out there and trying new things and not being afraid to fail because there's no failure, it's only feedback, a way that it just didn't work this time around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I love how you bring that point, the seeking discomfort part. I forgot to talk about that, but you've already mentioned it, which is great. Um, and, and that's, I think, a really important part of one of the key attributes I think that make high performance high performance is that they're just they're, they're in that zone where a lot of people try and avoid um, which is uh, I guess I, I would just call it the zone of discomfort and just doing things that are I would describe them as being you know a little bit unconventional or uh, sort of counterintuitive or unorthodox just things that people don't necessarily expect um, and in, in, in that process of doing those things, there's always uh, a space for improvement and there's always there's always area for, uh, you know, making mistakes and failing. Like when you're being a contrarian and going against the wind, it, there is a high chance that things go wrong. But I feel, as you've talked about, learning from it, getting the feedback, because some of the greatest ideas I feel and businesses have come from very contrarian people, um, just people that thought, very much different to the rest of the world um, and that's what makes their business what's what makes them very successful um, so I think keeping that in mind is super important but that was a very long uh, session yeah and can I just make that... one other point yeah go ahead sorry just just on on that topic it is around that piece of discomfort as we say but I I like to say that Everybody, every single person has those feelings, that fear of failure, you know, the fear of the unknown and the uncertainty. And everyone has that, even the most successful people. The difference is that they have the strategies and tools to be able to A, have the awareness around it and B, to then go, no, I'm going to have the courage to give this a go because courage isn't not being afraid, it's about doing it anyway. And so it really is around that, that mindset and that piece of the discomfort, but it, but it is particular to understand that you're not different to anybody else. We all mm. have these fears, 
It's just what do we do with them? Do we embrace them and just give it a go anyway and take the risk because with great risk brings great success or do we sit there and do nothing of which the only thing that you know that you can get is nothing by doing nothing, Mm. right? So it it is around that as well. I just, sorry, I wanted to make that point. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's great because I think... um, so, so what you're saying is you you would you would say a majority of people, even though fear is something that they are aware of, they don't. A large proportion of portion of people just don't embrace it. And is that is that the difference between the high performer and the average? Is is the fact that they learn to embrace? Yeah, it the and difference they between the high performer right? is they still just have courage to move forward. They just go, forward, I yeah. I recognize it. Yeah, I am scared to fail but I'm going to do it anyway. And they start changing the dialogue in their head. So instead of the dialogue going, what if it doesn't work? What if I fail? They flip the dialogue to, but what if I succeed? What if this does work? And they focus on that and then they go. Mm, Yeah. But it's not that they don't have those thoughts. They just flip them and move on. They just flip them. The language part, the the, changing up the, the, the word choice and the language, right? comes back to that 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 yep. topic that we and talked about questions. before yeah and those sure. questions exactly awesome awesome stuff um harry i'll pass it back to you thank you very much naren i think this episode has been extremely insightful for very very good reasons and i really do hope that a lot of our students within the university community really understand and cherish some of the ideas that we've discussed today Um, a lot to do with the choice of words mind over matter making sure things are aligned right for us and just paving the path forward towards success making sure that we have this continual self-development self-improvement every day and not to play the comparison game it can be very very dangerous as we mentioned just in this episode it can really destroy the way we think and how we perceive the world and can have a very negative impact so i think a lot of what we've discussed has been very very critical and very very profound so with this last part we're looking more into the 2024 lens how young students high-performing students can prepare for 2024 and onwards. There's a lot on people's plate in terms of what they want to do, goal setting that we mentioned today. If you are in the shoes of a young student who might be who might not be too sure what that plan should look like in 2024 because of uncertainty, fear, anxiety, that they may not be able to make it in time, um, what would your steps be, Sarah, for that student or high performer who really wants to make sure 2024 will have a very clear blueprint in what they want to achieve and they can overcome those feelings of anxiety, that those intrusive thoughts coming through? What would your tips be for that student who just really wants to make that footprint in 2024? Yeah, I, I think... I do always go back to having a vision and, you know, a bit of a a plan um, and a goal. And the reason why I say that is because often the source of most of our stress, frustration, anxiety comes from things not working out the way that we expected. But if we don't put out there what we want and what we expect, then we're going to be consistently frustrated and stressed. And so, again, that focus on what do we want, not what we don't want, is really critical. So finding some good resources in regards to how to create a future vision, how to create a 
first goal, and again, don't do a handful of goals at once, it becomes way too overwhelming, but really start getting that focus for yourself so that you have something that you're working towards always relieves a lot of that anxiety and that frustration because you've got some direction that you're heading in. Yeah. Yep. Fantastic. I think a lot of students do need to understand that it does take a bit of time for this planning and just understanding where they want to be, ultimately understanding that clear vision or that clear purpose. Um, And definitely, as you said, finding the right resources, taking things one step at a time, absolutely crucial to just build a very clear path. And and look, it doesn't have to be perfect, right? This is the thing mm. too. People think that they've got to have these perfect plans and everything. Just like the GPS example, you don't have to know the street number and the street name, but if you know the general vicinity, then it's going to direct you in the right direction, right? Your brain's going to start moving there. So don't try and get anything perfect, but you've got to have something out there to focus on. Yeah. Just a bit of effort, a bit of effort for people to just think about that. I think that's so, so important. Just paint a bit of the picture. You don't have to color it in. It can be black and white. But as we progress that journey, we can slowly fill in the colors. And I think that's just fantastic to not be so perfect because that perfectionism is something that comes through social media. Things that we watch, things that we see, which again is can be very detrimental. Um, but really wise words there, Sarah. Absolutely love it. I really want to finish off this episode with the last three, rapid three as we call it, just being quick and concise. We have had a very, very in-depth conversation today. Absolutely thrilled that we've done this. I want to keep it nice and snappy. So we'll just dive right into the, the three questions we always ask everyone. The first one being, what is the best life lesson you've ever heard that really reframed your view on personal development? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the two main things here for me is, is that you are the creator. You are the one that can change your life. All those limiting beliefs, emotions, everything, it's all you. <laughs> so your internal world is a reflection, your, sorry, your outer world is a reflection of your internal world. So you need to do your, your internal work and, again, just be your own best friend is, is it for me. Yeah. yeah it's all, it's all in your power, but you've got to be your own best friend too. Self-control, the way it goes. That's it. Beautiful. What does success mean to you? Um, Success means to me that continuous growth and learning and never giving up and providing value to other people and having great relationships, really. That's success to me. Connection. The The world is all about relationships and connection. So successful relationships and meaningful relationships, supportive relationships are success for me. That is brilliant. I think that's really important in this day and age when we are so disrupted by technology, AI, all that, the value of relationships, connections, continue building that, making it very, very firm and staying connected. Very, very important. With our very last point here on recommending resources, books, your own seminars coming up, anything that has helped you elevate your version of yourself, you know, from the past to today, anything that has helped you throughout your life that can help that young future leader become the best version of themselves? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about it before and brought up James Clear's Atomic Habits. I think that's a wonderful resource because, as I said, how you live your day is how you live your life. So it's about what are those habits that you're establishing. So definitely looking at that. Carol Dweck and her growth mindset um, is another key as far as I'm concerned because most people are walking around with these fixed mindsets about themselves and their own self-belief and their own self-worth. And so being able to shift more into a growth-centric, you know, the journey um, piece is, is critical to moving forward. Um, definitely, yeah, free services. Get out there and experience some of them. Again, I talk about don't consume too much, but if you are, then take some action afterwards. But there's so many webinars out there and meetup groups that are very specifically sharing information for free that's going to get you moving. Things like I've, I'll have another webinar in January and, um, and I'll be talking about the four keys to transformation, of which some are the vision, the goals, the habits. So definitely take advantage of those and have a look around because there's plenty of them. And, of course, I'll be happy to share any links with you um, to share with, with your audience as well in case they do want to jump on one of my webinars. They're usually an hour and a half. Um, but there's a lot of tips. And, and I also give a playbook, um, a digital playbook for people to download that has a template for setting your vision, for setting your starter goal, etc. So um, there's so much resources out there. But again, don't just come to a webinar and then put that to the side and just keep doing what you're doing right. You've got to take some small actions. Um, but look, if you can ever get a mindset coach or a life coach, they're invaluable for seeing the picture that you can't see because you're in it, right? The accountability buddies, the right questions to be asking you to figure out what are those stories, what are those beliefs that are going on in there and how can I reframe and release the energy behind those so I can keep moving forward. But at a minimum, I always say have an accountability buddy because we all know if you're, let's say, going to the gym and you're going to meet your mate down there, you're less likely not to go because you know that they're going to be there waiting for you. So if you can find somebody that's got the same sort of goal as you or any, even just telling people, friends and family about your goal helps in that accountability because I'll be going, oh, how how you doing with that, Harry? And then you go, oh, I, I better have something to talk about, hadn't I? So having those accountability buddies um, is a resource that, as far as I'm concerned, is a must-have. You can have all the motivation in the world, but you need to have that accountability and that support for sure. Yeah, surround yourself with people that you want to be like. Um, on just on that last note, it's it's very much about. I think you guys might have heard the saying, and your audience might have heard, "You're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with." So choose wisely. Are they the ones that are celebrating you, helping you move forward, or the, are they the ones that want to keep you stuck, bitching with them? Got to have a bit, of, a bit of a think about that too. Sorry, absolutely. I <laughs> Can't agree anymore, Sarah. I think it's highly relevant what you've just mentioned, and really, your peers are the ones who might shape you into the right person or someone else. And again, that 
is the dangerous journey we don't want to take. We want to make sure that we're all very intrinsic. We're all very authentic with ourselves. And as you mentioned, the vision, the goals, the habits, very, very important elements to just shaping who you want to be. But Sarah, I think this discussion has been so insightful, so profound in terms of how we think about ourselves. It's been such a pleasure hosting you today, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us and for your time and effort to be here tonight. We're wishing you all the very best. Take care. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series. We hope you have taken some key insights that can help activate your personal growth and maximize your potential. Please share this with others who may be interested and review this episode if you found it to be useful. Follow us on LinkedIn by typing in Brightness Unleashed in the search bar to stay updated with future content. Thank you and have a great day.